Let us pray. Father, even now on this Pentecost Sunday, come among us, gather as we are, not only here, but in our homes, and pour out your spirit upon us afresh for the work you have called us to do and for the glory of your name. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'd invite you, as you're viewing from home, to take out your Bibles or devices and turn to the second chapter of the book of Acts. Today, as you've already heard from our opening acclamations, is Pentecost Sunday, when we celebrate that initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the people of God there in Jerusalem, as recorded in Acts chapter 2. We had planned a Sunday night service specifically focused on Pentecost in addition to our morning service this year, and it was on the church calendar, but with the the COVID situation, that has been postponed, but we very much look forward to doing that next year on Pentecost Sunday in the evening with a time of extended worship and music and concerted prayer for those who want to be filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit. But I do want to look at the biblical account of the day of Pentecost today in Acts chapter 2. It's an amazing thing to think that those 120 believers on the day of Pentecost grew in numbers through the spread of the gospel to the point that in, within 100 years of that event, the gospel message had reached the entire world known to them at the time. So today as we, walk, as we talk rather about the power of Pentecost, I want us to all gain a clearer understanding of what God's word, Scripture says, about this event. And my focus is really twofold in terms of, I want us, of what I want us to gain a clearer understanding. First, I want us to gain a clearer understanding regarding the nature and the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then second, to establish from Scripture that this work of empowerment is God's heart and God's will for every believer. So let's begin by talking a little bit about the background of Pentecost. Aside from the specific events in Acts chapter 2, we need to understand the setting in which all of this took place. The day of Pentecost, when this all happened, was actually an Old Testament Jewish festival celebrating the end of the barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. That these events took place during that festival is significant because of how many Jews would have been in Jerusalem to observe this event. Pentecost was one of three times each year, along with the Feast of Tabernacles and Passover, when all Jewish men were required to appear before God at the temple in Jerusalem. So therefore, the city was packed with visitors and pilgrims, including many Jews from the the diaspora and from many far-fetched locations. And what we see is the fulfillment of God's promise for empowerment. The text we just read together from Acts chapter 2 can really be divided into three portions. First, you have the fulfillment of God's promise for power in verses 1 through 4 of Acts chapter 2. Second, you have the confused response of the onlookers in verses 5 through 13. And then finally, we have Peter's explanation and and, uh, elaboration from Scripture in verses 14 through 21. 
So first in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we see the fulfillment of God's promise to pour out his spirit on all people and empower them to be his witnesses. To understand the promise, the fulfillment of this promise, we must understand that God's promise, some things about, excuse me, some things about the outpouring of God's promise of the Holy Spirit. All believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit at the moment of regeneration, at the moment of salvation. But the baptism or filling in the words are used interchangeably in Scripture of the Holy Spirit is something different. And we need to back up really to Acts 1 through 8, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and verse 14 of chapter 1 for some things that we need to understand. The first thing is this. The promise is for those who are already believers. Being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit is something God wills to do in the life of every Christian. And it is a work of God's grace separate from salvation. We know that these people on the day of Pentecost had already placed their faith in Jesus as Savior. We know this because in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, specifically, it says that they were believers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, is what we read in that verse. Second, Jesus gave them a command before he sent it back to the Father in heaven. Look at verse 4 of Acts chapter 1 with me. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus, Jesus, Jerusalem, but to wait for the gift the Father promised. And that's exactly what we see them doing. In verse 14 of Acts chapter 1, we read, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Third, we read about the nature of the promise. The promise that Jesus is telling them to wait for, or as the King James says, to to tarry for. And this promise is the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 5 of Acts chapter 1 with me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The purpose of this work of the Holy Spirit, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, is power to be effective witnesses. We see that in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1 where Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But what are they witnesses to? Witnesses to what? They are witnesses to salvation, which is found only through the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Jesus. They are witnesses to the promise that was foretold by John the Baptist, referring to Jesus in Mark 1.8, where John said, I have baptized you with water, but he, referring to Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is also found in Matthew 3 and Luke chapter 3. Jesus spoke of this promise in John's gospel again in chapters 14 through 16 on the night that he was betrayed. Especially in John 16 where Jesus says in verse 7, 
If I do not go away, the helper, meaning the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is telling them that that it is essential that that he is going in order for him to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. His followers in the power of the Holy Spirit will then continue his ministry. So this was the promise. This was the promise that they were waiting. This is the promise that they were seeking. And then secondly, we see the promise fulfilled in verses 1 through 4 of Acts chapter 2. So when this day of Pentecost arrives, we find these believers in one place. They are waiting with a sense of anticipation and expectation to see this promise of the Father, which Jesus spoke of, fulfilled. And I don't believe it's merely a coincidence that they happen to all be together. Acts chapter 1 again, verse 14, tells us that they were united in prayer. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, indicates more than just being together physically. They were of the same mind and of the same purpose, seeking God. As the King James says, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all physically together and they were focused in their prayers on seeking the promise. So what happens? God shows up. God shows up in a powerful way. Suddenly, it happened without warning in verse 2 of Acts chapter 2. And three distinct things occur right there. First, we have the sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Not a wind, read that carefully, but the sound like a wind. This wasn't just a breeze that blew in. Something supernatural was happening. God was moving powerfully and profoundly by his spirit. Second, they saw tongues of fire that separated and rested on each of them. The idea here is like a great flame descending down from heaven And dispersing so that that flame dispersed and rested on each of those believers individually. This is reminiscent of other places in scripture where fire and fiery light are symbols of God's presence and God's spirit coming down. In Exodus 3.2 we read where the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in flames of fire. In Exodus 19, verses 18 through 19, with the acceptance of the covenant, we read, Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. This fire, these tongues that divided upon them, signified that this was a supernatural occurrence of great and profound importance. Both the sound of wind and the fire preceded the actual focus of what happened. Because the key event we find a little bit further on where they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. And this refers back to the promise that Jesus had made them in Acts chapter 1 verse 5. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with God's power to be witnesses. And they began speaking in tongues. They were empowered by God to speak in languages that they had not learned. In this case, known human languages. In the New Testament, wind and fire, which preceded these things and being filled are not mentioned again. But tongues is mentioned repeatedly with these types of events throughout the book of Acts. The promise is fulfilled. They were all filled 
with the Holy Spirit. But in verses 5 through 13 of Acts chapter 2, we also see that there was a confused response. When the Holy Spirit came upon these believers, about 120 of them, they were apparently in a public place and quickly moved or were in, either were in a public place or quickly poured out into a public place. Most Bible scholars believe that this probably happened on the porch of the temple. We know this because we read a large number of Jews who had gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost were witnesses to these events. And those Jews would have been gathered around that area, around the porch of the temple. And Acts chapter 2 describes the reaction of the crowd in five ways. First, in verse 6, we see bewilderment. In verses 7 and verse 12 of Acts chapter 2, we see amazement. Again, in verse 12, we see that they were perplexed. In verse 12, they also asked, what does this mean? And then in verse 13, some even mocked and made fun of them, accusing them of being drunk even at that early morning hour. But what got the attention of these Jews gathered around the porch of the temple? It was hearing them speaking the wonderful works of God in their own languages, miraculously speaking in tongues in languages that those people at that time could understand. And they heard the miraculous proclamation of the wonders of God from unlearned people in languages that these people had not learned to speak. And the crowd was astonished. The crowd was confused. It caused an incredible stir. And the crowd had no idea of the incredible significance of the events that they were witnessing among these believers. Then we have Peter's explanation from Scripture in verses 14 through 21. Beginning in verse 14, Peter stands up. He explains that these people are witnessing in light of Scripture. And he clearly ties it to Joel's prophecy from the second chapter of Joel. And there's an important thing for us to remember here as believers. Our experiences need to be anchored in and they need to be measured by and they must always line up with the truth of the word of God. We can't take experiences and somehow try to forfeit them into scripture and say, oh, this is God. We have to start with God's word and we measure what we believe and we measure our experiences and the, and the reality and the significance of our experiences in light of the truth of God's eternal word. These believers are speaking unknown tongues. It got their attention, but it was Peter's Holy Spirit empowered proclamation of the gospel. Peter's sermon that caused many that day to come to a real and living faith in Jesus Christ. And the result. Because of the Spirit of God working through him in all of his fullness, 3,000 people. That's what it says in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. This is the fulfillment of God's promise. But this is God's promise not just for those believers on that day. This is God's promise for all that place their faith in trust, trust in Christ. Verse 17 of chapter 2, Peter quoting Joel says, in the last days, in the last days, the last days are that time from Christ's ascension back to heaven until his glorious return to earth as king. This power was not just for believers then. 
Look at the promise, Acts 1.8, again. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. The promise fulfilled, Acts 2 verse 4, they were all filled. This promise is not just for them. It is for all those who place their faith in Christ. It is for every single believer. Remember what Joel said, prophesying, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then in Acts 2.39, referring back to what Peter said in verses 17 through 21, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That means every single one of us. Brothers and sisters, we need this baptism. We need this filling of the Holy Spirit to do the work of God. In such a time as this and at any time in human history, we cannot do the work in the weakness of our flesh. If we do, we wind up with carnal human results. But if we seek God and we open ourselves and he fills us with his Holy Spirit, then he will empower us to do his work by his means in ways that we could never do in our flesh. And we will speak and we will share. And the gospel will be proclaimed not in the weakness of the flesh, but in words of power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And God will use us to touch people with his life. God will use us to bring healing to people's lives. God will use us in ways that we could never imagine or ask or think. But the thing we need to guard against is that is not a badge of pride or any place for arrogance. It is all by God's grace. It is all by God's gracious hand. And we need to look to him. And today on this, on this, I would ask you to pray to, and ask the spirit of God to come upon you in power for the first time or afresh so that we as the people of God can be about our father's business by the means that he has designed and appointed and made available to us. Let us pray. Father, you prophesied through Joel that you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh in the last days. And we read in Acts that this promise is for us and for those first believers, for our children and all who are far off, everyone who the Lord our God calls to himself. So, Father, even now, even gathered in our homes, God, pour out your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Spirit in fullness upon us afresh. God, not that we could bask in your glory, not for some kind of a bless me club, but that we could be about the call that you have placed upon us to be the people you are calling us to be, not in the weakness of our flesh, not through earthly carnal means, but in the power and the anointing of your spirit as you pour that out of him out upon us by your gracious hand. So Lord, even now, do that. 
do that afresh in the days ahead. And this we pray through the name of Jesus Christ, our crucified, risen, and ascended Lord. Amen.